good. Great to see you all this morning. Well, it's, uh, we are certainly living in some interesting times. I like using the word interesting because sometimes we don't have clarity exactly how all that plays out. So I'll just use the word interesting, okay? So, and you can do your own research on that. <laughs> well, we started a series called The Signs of the Times, and last week uh, those that were here would have heard me throw out a lot of things, and um, I'll be doing that from time to time as well because we need to understand exactly where we're at and what is happening in our world right now. There are a lot of things, but uh, if we don't have a reference point to what's going on, we won't understand what's happening. There's a lot of crazy things going on in our world right now, and without a reference point, it's just crazy stuff. But when you have a reference point, as in the Word of God, it makes all sense of what is happening. It gives us an understanding of what's taking place. You know, like right now, uh, we're seeing some major changes even in our Who's noticed things are changing and pushing very quickly in the whole world of the cash to society? Can you see how they're trying to do away with money right now? Uh, they've taken out a billion dollars worth of cash out of the system of Australia right now, and uh, they're pushing the CBDCs, which is a central bank digital currency, trying to get everyone up to speed to push you onto a digital currency system. So you won't be able to use cash, you'll have to use a card of some sort. When they get to that stage, they have power and control over you. And that's why we have to keep our cash alive, use it wherever you can, and some are refusing to take it. I like this old gentleman that in England, I think it was, uh, went into an Audi store, and they said, sorry, he just wanted these strawberries, and they said, sorry, sir, you're, you, you, you can't use cash here, we're just cashless, card only. And he says, no, it's legal tender, I only have cash and I'm giving you cash. And they argued with him, he just plonked the money down and walked out with his strawberries. And uh, the barriers wouldn't even open for him, he had to sort of squeeze through the barriers. But that is legal, it's legal tender. But what I'm saying, if you don't understand why they're going to a cashless system, uh, you won't understand the whole craziness of it all. Because you don't have a, um, a reference point. Of course, there is a reference point in the Bible to do with everything. And the reference point, of course, is finally again to Revelations chapter 13, where we talk about the mark of the beast system and nobody be able to buy or sell. This is all working towards that. Now, I don't believe we're quite there yet, but we certainly have the makings of it all. It's all ready to go. But I, do, I want to give you some hope this morning because your things are going to get crazy, but we're not yet at the final time. Like we talk about the end times, we are in the end of the end times, but we're not at the final end time, if you know what I mean, if that makes sense. And uh, that has been uh, also spoken by many prophets that are speaking in this time about where we are in the calendar and things, and uh, some interesting things to take place. I was just listening to uh, uh, Julie Green this morning talking about even here in Australia, she says, your government is about to fall. I don't know what the timing is on that, but she's been pretty accurate so far. So there's a lot of corruption that you don't know about that's going on in our governments. It, you can't trust your government, I'm sorry, but you can't. There used to be a time where everyone used to be a Labour, a Liberal, uh, and, and all that. It's all changed. They're all like, it's all messed up behind the scenes, all in the same line. So we need to understand, we need to have reference to those sort of things. And of course the uh, uh, banks are pushing hard, like I tried to uh, draw out over $1,000, it wouldn't let me do that because they're putting restrictions on. Particularly uh, Commonwealth Bank, ANZ, are, are the trial banks for the central bank digital currency. 
So I'll just say, look, in this messy time, because I know banks are going to collapse, banks are collapsing around the world, you may not hear about, uh, there could be a disruption in your own bank at some stage, and banks have a little clause saying that basically when they're in trouble, they use your funds because they see it as their funds. So you could lose your funds. This is what happened in uh, Silicon Valley in America. Uh, when the bank went under, there was a big queue of people lined up for their money. They didn't have it. They didn't have it. And so uh, I just say, people, be precautious in this time. I've personally have moved um, some money into gold and silver in a vault somewhere. Can't tell you where it is. <laughs> Top secret, sorry. Uh, and uh, I'm, I'm just doing that because, and I'm, or I'm just taking cash out of the bank because it could be any day something happens and you won't be able to access your money, which is rightly yours. Uh, so be ready for that. We are moving to a whole new currency system because uh, if you watch what's going on in the world right now, the BRICS nations, if you understand what the BRICS nations is, Brazil, Russia, India, China, South Africa, they are now uh, about to meet in August 22nd to talk about the whole currency system. There's been 67 countries of the world also have been invited along to discuss the future of, of money. And, and it looks like they're lined up right now and been talking about for some time back in our currency with gold or some sort of asset. So if, it will be like if you had a dollar, a piece of paper with a dollar, say uh, that'd be worth a piece of gold that's worth a dollar. Currently, we've got the fiat system where your paper money means nothing. Overnight, you could just set fire and it, you know, it could all change. It happened in World War II. The Deutsche Mark overnight went to zero. And uh, the, the paper money means nothing. But when you've got things like gold, silver, precious stuff, you've always got it. <laughs> okay, so this is a little piece of uh, information. I'm not a guru in the financial world, but I'm just saying you that that has also been through the biblical times all from the start, gold and silver. And I think that's God's currency, so we need to be aware of that. If we don't have a reference point, we'll wonder what the heck is going on with this climate change. When you understand what is going on with the climate change, or if you have a reference point in the Bible, you'll understand what this whole climate change push is all about. And I may talk about that a bit later on in the series. Uh, we, we, uh, why, do we do, uh, why are we seeing such crazy things regarding gender and the moral decline in our world today? Well, if you want to know about that, you need to be here next week when Pastor Sharon brings that to you. So we've got some interesting topics coming up. We're going to try to delve into where you are and uh, what is going in our world. Because people are going, what is happening? What is going? Because what you're seeing now is a spiritual thing. You're seeing a spiritual warfare playing out in the physical realm. And unless you understand God's word, you'll never get any understanding really what this is all about. You'll just see it's like the world's gone mad. How many people you've heard say that? Oh, the world's gone mad. And I said, no, the world's following the patterns of, of the God of this world, as in Satan himself, because this has been planned out. And if you read his word, he gives you all the warnings. This is the lovely thing about the Bible. God warns you beforehand. Some people talk about the end time stuff. We get to the book of Revelation and they say, oh, I don't touch the Revelation. That's a scary book. Oh, I'm not going to read that. It's too scary. But I want to give you uh, confidence today. That it's not a scary book. For instance, Revelation 1.3 says, Blessed is the one who reads and hears the words of this prophecy and the ones keeping the things written it for the time is near. So blessed is the one who reads it. When you read God's word, you become blessed because you get insight that nobody else has. You know, if, if, it's like an inside trader. You get to know things before it happens. So you can prepare. The whole reason God gives you this word is that you can prepare for these times. And the church needs to be prepared. As I said last week, Romans 
uh, speaks about, uh, 1311 speaks about wake up, for his time, the time is drawing near. And of course, the reference to the time drawing near is the reference to Christ returning. There's going to be a place where it all comes to an end. And we need to be ready and make sure we're, we're all set for that. So the Bible is our reference point. But when we think about that the time is near, but how near are we? You know, this is a big uh, discussion point with a lot of people. How close are we to Jesus' return? If you knew Jesus was coming back tomorrow, you'd go like, well, my whole life is going to change right now. I'm telling you, it would. You, you'd suddenly, things are not important anymore that you were doing, because if you knew Jesus was arriving, you'd be like, I've got to change things. I've got to get myself in, all set up properly and do the right thing. Because a lot of us are not living the lifestyle that we've been called to. And then we're all in that boat. We all need to be adjusted to live in a godly lifestyle. Because the time, we don't know the time nor the hour. I like to joke because people say, well, Pastor Ian, you know, like, when is Jesus coming back? And I say, I'll tell you. If what you know, I know. And they go, well, when's he come back? I said, we'll be back by the end of this month or sometime in the future. And <laughs> so make it very broad, but uh, we don't know. It says nobody knows the time nor the hour, but we can see the seasons, right? We can see things. Uh, there was a lot of trouble going in, in, uh, in Thessalonians 2. Uh, in Thessalonica, Paul is addressing the Thessalonian people with this whole question because they kind of thought they missed Jesus. They thought they missed him. Yeah, there was a rumor going around that he's gone, you know, he's come and gone, and we've missed out. It says in 2 Thessalonians 2.1, Now we beseech you, my brothers, with regard to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, that you should not be soon shaken in mind or troubled, neither by spirit nor by word or letter, as though as if the day of Christ is at hand. And he goes on, Let not anyone deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come unless the first comes a fallen away and the man of sin shall be revealed, the son of perdition who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, set, uh, set himself forth that he is God. Do you not remember that I told you these things when I was still with you? And now you know what holds back for him to be revealed in his own time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already working, only he is now holding back until he comes out of the mist. Here it is making clearly there are certain things that need to take place before Jesus returns. Do you remember the, for the Christians who were around in the 80s, there used to be a, a lot of Christian cheap budget, low budget Christian movies came out about the rapture and things. Can anyone remember those? Anyone with me? <laughs> and it used to crack me up. There's one with the rapture because the, uh, there's a place in the, the scriptures talks that we would be called up to meet him in the air and we'd be left behind. People would be left behind. And... Um, uh, it, used to, it used to crack me up because in the movie, you know, it'd be a pretty low-budget mo movie, and all of a sudden the rapture happens, and people disappear all over the place that are Christians, and then you look down, and there's their clothes, and their clothes are nicely folded, yeah. nice and neat. <laughs> and I thought, that's not how it is. If you all know how it is, you know, I, I give my wife a reminder how it is every morning because she sees all this clothes on the floor, thinking the rapture may have happened, and it's just happened to be my clothes. But... <laughs> But we don't know the time nor the hour. 
So what did Jesus say regarding the timeline of his return? So we're going to have a look at the timeline because we need to have a reference to what is going on. I can sprout off a whole lot of things that are going on in our world right now and give you some very interesting things. But you need to have a background understanding of this is a timeline of God. God is in total control. So our world, even though it looks like it's out of control and it is to a degree, God is still like in control of the bigger picture. Okay, so he can see that. So you need not worry. Okay, we're going to turn to a book of Matthew, chapter 24, verse 32, reading through to 35. If you've got your Bibles with you this morning. And I just want to pray first before I read it. Heavenly Father, I thank you this morning for your word. I thank you for your truth. And I pray this morning, God, it be your words spoken through me. God, your words be revealed to your people. That God, that we can be excited knowing that you are going to come back. And we know that we are with you always. In Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so Matthew 24, verse 32. Have we got that up on the screen? No? Have not? There we go. Okay, <clears throat> so now learn a parable of the fig tree. When its branch is still tender and puts out leaves, you know that summer is near. So you, likewise, when you see all these things, shall know that it is near at the doors. Truly I say to you, this generation shall not pass until all these things are fulfilled. The heaven and the earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. There is many scriptures that Jesus spoke about of events that were to happen. Now, some have happened. You know, the destruction of the temple in AD 70. A lot of things there reference that, but there are things yet to come. And in scripture too, there, there is the now and then there's the later. So there's a double application sometimes of the words being spoken. But here Jesus speaks of the parable of the fig tree. And he says this, when its branch is still tender, puts out leaves. Now, first of all, you've got to understand the fig tree is symbolic of Israel. Does everyone know that? Israel. In fact, it's used quite often uh, of Israel and the health and the, of the nation, both spiritually and physically. So it has a, a double kind of take on that. So when we start putting it in our understanding, when he's talking about the parable, the story of the fig tree, he's talking about Israel it says when its branch is still tender and puts out leaves, you know the summer is near. So we saw a, a move to the direction of a nation in called Israel in 1948. First of all, two key things in here is the fig tree. The fig tree, of course, we need to understand. Okay, Israel, when this was spoken um, after AD 70, was scattered. The Romans came in, destroyed the temple, destroyed, pulled everything down, wrecked Jerusalem and uh, they were scattered. The people of Israel were just scattered. They all took off all different directions and there was no nation of Israel. But Jesus says here, know the signs. And in 1948, we actually saw the signs. We saw um, in 1948, Israel declared a nation for the first time. Very significant time. In fact, it was in the newspapers. You've got that picture of the newspaper. Here goes an official newspaper. State of Israel is born. This is a very important time because this, I believe, is the start of God's time clock towards the end time itself because of what he prophesied. And we're going to go through some of those prophecies today. And, uh, but first of all, let's get an understanding of these key words. So the fig tree is, is um, Israel. And it talked about a generation. He says, truly I say to you, now he's talking to the people around. He said, this generation shall not pass away until all these things are fulfilled. Obviously, that generation of people are no longer around. So what was he referring to? He wasn't referring to 
the generation of standing before him, obviously. Now, the word generation uh, itself uh, is a Greek word called genea, which can mean a race, nation. It could mean that uh, Jesus' statement could mean that this Jewish race would not pass away until all things are fulfilled. But it also can have another meaning of time in a generation, being a, a time allotted. So if we look at that, for instance, um, Psalm, uh, where are we? Psalm 90 verse 10 says this, what is referring to what a generation? The years of our lives are 70. So the Bible says the years of our lives are 70 or even by reason of strength, 80. So here it's saying a boundary that, you know, 70 to 80 years is kind of what you may foresee as what's written as a generation. So when we look at that, if we were to use it as a basis, and if that is true, like I said, there's a lot of things that we're working through, a lot of signs are starting to appear right now that we never had previous knowledge of that we can put another piece of the puzzle in. You remember how I always talk about a, it's a puzzle, like, like God is giving you the end time picture and uh, we're just receiving bits now and just starting to put it all together in place so we can start to see it. So, uh, but in that time, you know, we're all, we may have different takes on things and we've got to understand that and, and uh, let's not get in arguments about those sort of things, but let's just listen to each other because we may learn from each other. Yeah, because sometimes, you know, I've been doing a puzzle and you, you go, oh, yeah, that goes in there. And of course, you know, when you get frustrated with puzzles, you, you know, make sure it goes in there. You force it in and that it just doesn't quite look right. And you go, but it's blue. It's the sea. And, and your wife comes along and goes, no, 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 that's the sky. Oh, yeah, it fits there. OK, so <laughs> so you can have that little discussion with this whole end time thing and you need to actually hear from each other. I listen to a lot of different speakers, uh, Jimmy Evans and uh, um, Jonathan Kahn, awesome sort of speakers that uh, really understand a lot of stuff. And, uh, but there are so many different opinions out there. So I'm not saying here today I am the official right opinion, okay? I'm just throwing some thoughts out here from what I've picked up, okay, and what I understand. So if we look at the generation time being 78 to 80 years, and if it starts in 1948, which is a very interesting time too, 1948, because I think the United Nations started then and uh, the... Worldwide churches uh, started then. Um, there was a few things started in that year, which is very interesting. That's another story. But if we looked at 1948 to where we are now, who's the mathematician in the room that can quickly add this up? 75, thank you. You win the prize. <laughs> Gold star. Thank you. So we are looking at 75 years. So we've gone past the starting point of 70 years. We're in 75. And if we use it as a basis, well, that's five years. Five years left on that timeline, if that's what that generation is referring to. So a very significant time because Israel has been scattered for many years and suddenly they become a nation. That's a key prophecy. Let's have a look at Ezekiel 37 verse 11, going back in the Old Testament. It says this, Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They say our bones are dried up and our hope is cut off. Uh, therefore prophesy and say to them, this is what the Sovereign Lord says. O oh, my people, I'm going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from them. I will put my spirit in you and you will live and I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and I have done it, declares the Lord. Here's a promise. Here's a prophecy. I will set you in your own land. And there's so many scripture verses through this whole understanding of, of this prophecy. Isaiah 66 verse 8 says this, 
Who has ever heard of such a thing? Who has ever seen such things? Can a country be born in a day or a nation be brought forth in a moment? Yet no sooner is Zion in labor than she gives birth to her children. We saw Israel born in a day. It was an amazing time through all the trouble they were going through. Okay, so Israel becomes a nation. And during the last century, we've seen millions of Jews from more than 70 Gentile nations, diverse as Russia, Morocco, Ethiopia, abandon their ancient homes and coming back to Israel. There's a big mass exodus start taking place at that time back to Israel. Fulfillment of Isaiah 43 verse 6, I will say to the north, give them up and to the south, do not hold them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. A fulfillment of Isaiah 43. We saw from that moment that Israel started to come back. God drew all those people that were scattered. Remember 70 AD, the Romans invaded Jerusalem, destroyed them, and um, they all scattered around the known world at that stage. And now God has made a prophecy saying, I will make a nation and I'll bring my people back home. Fulfilled. That was prophesied in Isaiah. 700 years before in Christ was on the scene. And um, we see at the, at the birth of the nation of Israel, over 600,000 Jews throughout the Muslim world returned to the Jewish state. 600, imagine, it's just like, well, be great for the real estate guys, wouldn't it? Like, uh, <laughs> well, we're busy this week. We've got 600,000 coming in. Um, it was an event like we've never seen before. It was suddenly that God has put the voice into the, his people to draw them back into the state of Israel. Israel became scattered, uh, like I said, with the Roman invasion. And uh, here it is, it is formed again. Ezekiel 36, 24 says, For I will take you out of the nations. I will gather you from all countries and bring you back into your own land. You know, it can't be any clearer on that. that. That's a prophecy fulfilled 100%. You know, some people say, Oh, the Bible's just made up man's words. Now, I'm telling you, it's, it's prophetic. It has amazing uh, stuff in there that has been fulfilled. You, you cannot just make that up. You know, like that was written many years ago, and it was fulfilled in 1948. Um, and people go, oh, you know, uh, I've seen this before. Yes, well, Israel was also captured and uh, and taken by Nebuchadnezzar, the Babylonian captivity for 70 years. And Isaiah prophesies, it's not only spoken of that, but it speaks about the second time. So this is the second time. So Israel becoming a nation for the second time is found in Isaiah 11, 11. And it shall be in that day the Lord shall again set his hand the second time to recover the remnant of his people that remains from Syria, from Egypt, from Pathros, from Ethiopia, um, and from Persia and from China and from Hamath, some old names, you'd have to look up what they are today, um, uh, from the coast of the sea. Israel has been the only country ever that was disposed twice and came back because God has an invested interest in the land of Israel. That is his chosen people, his contract that he made, covenant with the people, and God always fulfills that which he says. God is not one to let us down. God will speak, uh, do that which he has spoken. Jeremiah 23 verse 7 says this, Therefore, behold, the days come, says Jehovah, that they shall no more say, Jehovah lives, who brought the sons of Israel up out of the land of Egypt. 
but Jehovah lives who brought up the led the seed of the house of Israel out of the north country from all the countries where I have driven them and they shall dwell in their own land once again another prophecy talking about he will bring them from the north now the north uh, north of Jerusalem is your Turkey and above that Russia so they believe the north is referring to those areas both or if not one uh, particularly and uh, it's very interesting to note that there was a drawing of Jews even from Russia uh, in that time. We had uh, 1.7 million Jews return to Israel when the Iron Curtain fell in 1989. If you've got a picture of that, Carly, just put that up there for us. So 1989, an amazing thing happened. The uh, Iron Curtain, or the wall, separated uh, Germany, uh, came falling down. This is the first panel to be removed. This made a way for the Jewish people to return. Before that, there was no way for them to escape through that mechanism. So in 1989, Russian Jews returned to Israel for the first time. Uh, amazing scenes, uh, if you were around the time when you saw that on the news, taking place. We are living in a very exciting times, I'm telling you. You can read the Bibles like, wow, that would be uh, quite amazing to live in the biblical times back then. We are in the biblical times right now, I'm telling you. And you're about to see this all unfold in a whole new way. So that's why... Uh, the things we're speaking, we're trying to give you understanding. There's a biblical reference to all this because we know how the evil one works, but we, know how, and we also know how God works. And God reveals to us through his words all these things. So let's just go back uh, for a moment to 2 Thessalonians 2.3 where I started, where it says, Let not anyone deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come unless there first comes a falling away, the man of sin shall be revealed, the son of perdition. Firstly, a falling away. I don't know about you, but I've seen falling away like never before. Uh, what has been happening, Jimmy Evans was saying, he's noticed it accelerate from about 2010, just seeing how the world is changing rapidly, a turning away from uh, Christianity and uh, moving into a more secular world of understanding of everything. Uh, we've seen all the crazy things. We've seen major changes in our world from same-sex marriage happening in Australia uh, to abortion to birth. It just goes on and on and on. This is not by coincidence. Yeah, it's not a coincidence. This is all part of what the devil was pushing for, ultimately for the destruction of you and I. The devil hates you. If you haven't known that, I'll just let you know. The devil doesn't like you. And, uh, and he hates God. And, uh, and he knows the most damage he can do, the most hurtful thing he can do to God is to hurt his creation in children. You're going to see a lot of what's happening right now is to do with children. I touched on it last week a little bit about um, the uh, child trafficking going around the world. We have over 8 million children going missing every year, never to be seen again. How do, you, how do 8 million people go missing. Like I was watching the soccer game last night with the girls soccer against France and you look at the crowds and you thought, wow, these are big crowds. But that's, that's not even a million. That's the, you go, how on earth could they go missing? Where are they going to? And when you dig deeper, you'll find there's a lot of infrastructure around the world through governments and different departments that are involved with this, trafficking children underground through tunnels, shipping containers, it's, it's the lights, well, there's, it just goes on. But that's what we've got to guard. We've got to pray for our children, protection for our children right now. Now, there's a movie coming out on the 24th here in Adelaide, The Sound of Freedom. 
Uh, this will like, show you a, a touch of what's really happening in our world, and it's been going on for a long time. And uh, I'm sure that Sharon will, or Ashley in a few weeks' time will be talking more on that whole subject. But we need to wake up and realize this is real. It's like we've been in a bubble, not knowing all this evil has been going on, to a degree, that it is, and we, don't know, we didn't realize how many people were involved with this. But there, you're going to see over the next few months an exposure worldwide of some of the people who have been involved with this. Because uh, even the prophetic voices are saying this now, that they're going to be exposed. God is about to do something. God's had enough of this. It's like when God's had enough, he, he moves. It's like, come on, everyone out the pool. That's it, time out. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and God is getting to that place right now where we're about to see him move. But you know, in this time, he's, he's challenging us as a believer right now because God deals with the church before he deals with the people. He's got to get his church right in this moment, this time. Because if we can't get it right, what hope is there for the world if, when he starts bringing them into this place? We need to be a church that's on fire. We need to be a church that meets more. We, as I said in um, Hebrews 10.25, do not forsake the gathering of the believers more so as the days draw near. Now, who's in agreement that the, draw, the days are drawing near? All right. So what does it instruct us to do? To meet even more. But what we've got in our culture right now is to meet even less. Get lazy. Let's watch it on TV. Oh, okay, bother. You know, there was a time where we had to do that. It was quite funny, in fact. Um, if you remember the time we were locked down, we weren't allowed to meet as a people at all. You know, they just closed the whole state off uh, for three cases, which is absolutely ridiculous when you go back and think about that. Uh, someone's got a sniffle over there, and they're right, shut everything down. <laughs> and when you get to the bottom of COVID, which is actually going to be revealed very soon because it's going through the courts, it was a big scam. It's not what you're being told. It was a bioweapon. But we, in this church, we had to go online because we said we're never going to stop the church. Now, we don't like online. I'm telling you, I don't like online because you cannot capture what is happening in the room. You cannot capture the presence, the feeling of God. You know, if you, if you don't know what it's like, I remember Sharon and I going to a conference one time and this conference was electrifying. You feel the presence of God and it was amazing. You know, one of those ones where you're on your seat, go, yeah, yeah, it was amazing. Great speaker. I thought, this is an unbelievable message. So we said, we've got to buy that. As soon as the message finished, we went out the back because they already made up uh, DVDs and we bought the DVD, raced home from Sydney. First thing we got home, we did when we got home was, we've got to play that again. That was just amazing. We want to capture that. We put it on and go like, oh, a bit of a fizzer. It just was not the same. It was just didn't carry that same vibe that, because you cannot capture something on TV that is happening in a room like this. And that's why we need one another. We need to come together as, as a family. We need to support one another. That's why it, the instruction is uh, gather more so in the end times. And we are living in the end times. So we live in very exciting times. So first of all, it says in this that we will see a fallen away. So we are seeing a fallen away. I spoke about this last week about, you know, in the last days we'll see perilous times. And... Um, or as it says in my scripture, 2 Timothy 3, 1 says, Know this also, that in the last days, grievous times will be at hand. You will be seeing grievous times. But you know, as a Christian, you have a hope in Christ that you can walk through all this. You can walk through this and still have a smile on your face because you know God is with you. You don't need to be fearful. You know, people will be looking to you and go, Why are you so happy when the world has fallen away to... Uh, Excuse the word crap. And uh, did I say that word? Sorry. Uh, you know, why are we so happy? Because we know 
They're seen as a sign as everything's over, everything's falling apart. We're seen as a sign as Jesus is near. Jesus is coming back. Jesus is not far away. So we get excited like, wow, this is, this is good. This is a sign. You know, people have been saying for years, oh, but, you know, they were saying that back then that we're in the last days. Yes, but I believe we're in the last of last days. And the people that continue just to say, oh, no, they've always been saying that, they ignore the warnings, are going to one day be the person where it happens in their time. They go, oh, it happened. And, uh, you know, you don't want to be left behind. You want to make sure you're ready. Like, it's like your bags are packed ready. I'm ready for that rapture, God. <laughs> well, you can leave those behind anyway. But, uh, but you know what I'm saying? You've you got to be ready. Like, ready. As if prepare... Look, you've got to live your life. That doesn't mean your life comes to an end. Oh, like Pastor Ian's just told me all this stuff. That means I'm just going to change it. Well, I'm not going to do anything now because, you know. No, no, no. As I, as I hear, and I like the saying, as live, as if, live as if Jesus is not coming back for another hundred years, but uh, live in a way that, you know, be ready as if he's coming back tomorrow. Okay? So it's like that. So you be ready. I'm all ready, right? Yeah. And uh, be very keen on that thing. So uh, the fallen way will happen first, and the man of sin shall be revealed. So the man of sin, the Antichrist, will be revealed at the fallen away. So we're starting to see a series now. We're seeing the fallen away. So what comes next? It says the man, the son of perdition, will be revealed. So we're expecting at some stage to see this man uh, be revealed. Now whether the rapture happens in before that happens, I'm not sure how all that's going to work, but... But then it goes on to say in 2 Thessalonians 2.4, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God, all that is worship. So he sits as God in the temple of God. Now here's an interesting thing. If this man that comes forward is going to sit himself in the temple of God, there has to be a temple to sit in. How many know there's no temple? I'm going to show you quickly just what the picture of the temple used to look like, if you can just get up there. So this is what the temple, when you read about the temple of God, Solomon's temple, you read all that. Here it is, there's a, that's not the actual picture, nobody had photography back then, but you'll see that's what the temple looked like on the Temple Mount. That was destroyed in AD 70. So the Romans came along, destroyed the whole lot there, and today it looks like this. If you can get the next picture up. Ah, there we go. That's, uh, <laughs> that is the Temple Mount, but... Interestingly enough, they've plonked a mosque on there. Now, this is a great contention. There's all sorts of talk about this. Uh, how can they rebuild a temple on that mount with that being in place? And if so, what uh, will that cause if they just pull it apart? You know, I think there'd be a war going on. But someone did mention the original ruins, they reckon, was actually further over. So some actually suggest you could still build the temple without having to remove that at this stage. And, uh, but it's very interesting in itself. But we see in this, so we know there has to be a temple, and it won't be that temple, uh, a, a temple where he will sit and then claim to be God himself. He's the abomination of desolation. He's the abomination. He is the son of perdition. There's different names given to him. So Jesus will return after a fallen way, and the man of sin will be revealed, and then this, the temple will have to be built because for the, for the son of perdition to sit as the God in the temple, there has to be a temple. I was just be sitting on the mountain on a piece of slab of concrete right now. Uh, so it's not quite there. Now, interestingly enough, I've heard different discussions on this. People saying, oh, I don't know if there'd be a third temple because we're up to the third now. That was the second one that the picture was of. Um, in 1987, the temple 
movement began preparations for rebuilding the third temple. So there's a group of guys under the temple movement decided we're going to rebuild this temple. So that was 1987. They're still working on it. So Rabbi Chaim Richman, director of the Temple Institute, has produced all the ritual vessels necessary for the function of the temple and works to train priests for the future work. So they've already been training priests to go back to the Old Testament temple days, how it all happened, all the utensils they used, everything like it was that's written in the Old Testament. They have been training them and remaking costumes and got original stuff, all sorts of stuff going on there. And uh, so it's very exciting to see that there is, there is a work right now, right now, towards building a third temple. Once again, reference point, third temple has to be built before the son of perdition reveals himself as pretending to be God. So, but, but when you hear that, you go, things are getting a little bit closer here. You know, they get a little bit closer. And, um, and another interesting thing that uh, came across my uh, desk a few months back and then Sharon showed me again this week was to do with the cleansing of the temple but they've got to cleanse the temple mount before they can build it and that requires some red heifers now people go what's a red heifer well let's see a picture of one there's a little baby one now just hold that picture up there for a moment there have been nine red heifers in history and the Jews believe, they have to be perfect by the way, uh, nine, uh, sorry, there have been nine red heifers in history and the Jews believe the tenth will usher in the reign of the Messiah. So there's been nine, they think the tenth will usher in Jesus' return, right, the Messiah. Five perfectly unblemished red heifers landed in Israel in September 2022, a feat that cost them around half a million dollars. Expensive taking cows around on, on planes. They're now being taken care of at a secure location. And Stinson, this is the guy here, and others hope to hold the ceremony that they'll be used for during the Passover in 2024, next year. They're hoping to do this ceremony next year with these heifers. And um, uh, so they can cleanse the table, temple and rebuild ready to usher in the Messiah. So th this, this gentleman here raised these five up, sent them over to Israel, and they've got to be inspected to make sure they have no blemish on them. You know, I saw a picture of a rabbi with a magnifying glass looking at one. <laughs> and uh, any blemishes, nah. And, and it's got to be like that for something like two years or something. So uh, very interesting that they, at the moment, are on track to perform this ceremony in 2024, then when that happens, they can start perhaps looking at rebuilding the temple. So we know we are very close in time. We are very close to that moment. In fact, um, uh, Daniel talks about the end time. Daniel says a lot about the end time stuff. But one thing he says in Daniel chapter 12, verse 1, he says, and, that, and at that time, Michael, this is the end time, Michael shall stand up, Archangel Michael, the great ruler who stands for the sons of your people, and there shall be a time of trouble such as never was never since there was a nation until that time. And at that time your people shall be delivered, everyone shall be found who shall be found in the book written in sorry, written in the book. So in Daniel one it talks about there will be a time of trouble in the end times, which we are hidden for, such as never been seen before until the end time and at that time your people 
God's people shall be delivered. Here's a good, here's a good word. You're going to be delivered, all right? You're going to be delivered. You shall be delivered, but only those that have their name written in God's book, written in the book, the book of life. There's a book in heaven called the book of life, and I've heard people that have had death experiences actually witness this book. It's real. And uh, they've seen their name, and they've seen all the account of their life. And I've shared this story before, but a pastor, a 70-year-old pastor who died, went to heaven and um, was taken to this book. And uh, they opened up this book, and it was a life. His whole life was there. He could, there's things that they couldn't even remember doing or hadn't thought of for a long time. And as he went through the book, he's going, oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness, I'm feeling really guilty. All these bad things God's got recorded on me. Everything. He's got everything. And, and there was written a time when he stole some shoes as a kid. As a 10-year-old kid, he stole some shoes. And it's recorded in this book. He goes, oh my goodness, he got everything here. He's really feeling bad and awkward and uncomfortable. But then he got to the last page. And it says, paid in full by the blood of Jesus. And uh, so the question is today, are you in that book? Are you in that book? The time is short. Daniel also says, uh, it also says, uh, God says to him, first of all, uh, to seal up uh, these words until the end time. And he said, in the end time, they'll be going and... Uh, um, I'm just trying to find the passage now. Where are we? There'll be a lot of movement going on, a lot of knowledge, increase in knowledge, as we've seen. We've, like, the knowledge has just grown incredibly. And uh, transport, all sorts of things have happened like never before in history. So the time he's painting is actually very much where we are now. Now, we don't know the time or the hour, but we can see the season. And this is what I'm saying. Be prepared for the seasons. This is the season. So question everything, test everything, look at your Bible with everything, okay? Don't just use your opinion. Use God's Word. And that's important that you do that this morning. So this morning I want to finish by saying the time is near. We have seen things that have never happened in any other time. People going, oh no, they've always spoken about it. No, no, the things that are happening now have never happened before. So we're seeing fulfillment of prophecy like never before in our time right now. Right now. And that's why you're seeing all the crazy things because the devil knows his time is short as well. And the devil's going to cause havoc where he can. And uh, so he's aware of that. But we need to rise up. We need to waken people up. You know, you are, um, you are a voice to your neighbor. You're a voice to your family, those that don't know Jesus. And uh, we want everyone to be in that book. We want everyone to be in the book of life because there's only life found in Him. I just want you to close your eyes this morning and bow your head as we come to a close because the most important thing you could ever do is get your life right with Jesus. Get your life right with Him. He's not going to twist your arm. He's not going to make you. He's written everything. He's given you the warnings. He's telling you what's happening. And everything has he, what He's spoken has come true. So He's trustworthy. You can trust everything that He says. So this morning, I want to give you an opportunity to give your life to Jesus Christ. It's simple as a prayer of repentance. Turn away from your old life and turn into Him. Asking Him to come fill you. To give you that new life in Him, that hope. For He came to give you abundant life. The only, only other option is what the devil offers. That's why I said there's two options in life. For it says, thief comes to kill, steal and destroy, but I come to give you life. 
If you want that life that is found in Jesus this morning, I'd love to pray for you, pray with you. And while nobody's looking around, if that's you, say, I, I, I need to be right with Jesus. I don't know where I stand right now. I don't know where I'd go if I was to die today. I don't know whether I'd end up in heaven or hell. Well, if you don't know, you need to know. Your life depends on it. And if that's you this morning, if you're not sure, perhaps you even went to church as a young person and you go, oh, you know, I think I'm okay. Well, if you, if you think and you don't know, you don't know. And you need to know. So if that's you here today, wherever you are, I want to pray for you. But I need to know who I'm praying for. So just raise your hand wherever you are. You can put your hand up, put it back down again, and I'll see that hand and I'll pray with you. If you'd like to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, to know what it's like, to, uh, to know that the next few years, no matter how rough it is, that you've got hope, you've got an answer in Him. If that's you this morning, just raise your hand and uh, love to pray with you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. The other call I want to make this morning is uh, for people to, like I said, Romans uh, 13, 11 says to wake up. You know, we got to wake up and we got to wake others up. And in Timothy, it says to do the work of the evangelist. It doesn't mean that you are an evangelist, but it means you can do the work. And this morning, perhaps you're thinking about all those people that could be left behind, loved ones, family members, or whatever. And I just want to bring it to your attention right now. And, and if you're just saying, hey, look, God used me to reach them. I want to pray for you this morning. Just raise your hand. If you've friends that you want to reach, family members and whatever, and say, God, use me. Give me courage. Give me balls. I want to pray for you. Amen. I see those hands. Awesome. Awesome. Because God uses you. You know, we sit back sometimes and just go, oh, God will do it, God will do it. No, God wants to use you. All through time, He's used a man. He's used a woman. He's used people to accomplish His works. Heavenly Father, I thank You this day. We thank You for Your truth. We thank You for Your Word. And Father, I pray right now for those that have raised their hands that You give them a whole new boldness, fresh touch of Your Holy Spirit that will rise up in this time. That God, there be a, a, an uplifting within their spirit, God, to speak out. That in that time uh, of an opportunity with their friends, with their neighbours, colleagues, the Holy Spirit, you'll give them voice. For it says in that time, in that hour, the Holy Spirit will give you the words to speak. And I pray, oh God, for everyone to raise their hands and they'll be empowered as they leave this place today. They'll be empowered to be a witness, a witness to all that they work with, a witness to all they live with. Father, we thank you this day. We'll give you the praise. And God, we look forward to that day when you return. God, for we fear not. For we raise our hands to heaven in praise. And thank you, God, that you have got us covered, that you are with us and for us. And we thank you and we give you all the glory in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said,